Hope you enjoy that conversation with Declan. As would have been obvious in our conversation, he and I know each other quite well. We're both music fans. We are members of the same music club. So we go to gigs regularly. We go to sports regularly and our kids are of a similar age. But there's a whole lot that came up in that conversation that I wasn't aware of before. So I'm really pleased that we had the opportunity to have that conversation. In this reflection, I'm going to touch on four different things that really struck me as being interesting. The first one is the notion of recruitment. And in the case of Seven, a very structured and maybe even rigid process that allows them to recruit the best of the potential pool that they want to hire into their organization. Declan talked about having exams as one part of the process, which is very unusual, I have to say, in today's age, although scenario presentations is not unusual, but exams certainly is. And reaching a 5% offer rate is where they end up. Now, for organizations that are sitting at 100 to 150 people within an organization where the recruitment process is really, really important part of the culture, I think this is a really interesting perspective. You know, knowing that you are looking for the best of the best and therefore by nature, that means there's going to be a small number of people actually get into the offer stage. If you're sitting at an organization of multi-thousand and you're trying to scale, then that kind of percentage rate is, is, uh, um, is suggests is an inefficiency in the selection process. But for organizations that are you know, small to medium, up as far as 150 people, that's a really interesting process to consider. And if you are a leader in a, say, an affiliate of a multinational, or indeed your organization where the size is around that piece, the recruitment process is one of the most important processes to enable and be part of the culture that you are setting. As we discover with Declan, the culture that he's setting and the philosophy that guides him many of the time is what would a high-performing sports team look like and how do we continually get better at everything that we do? And so for them, that process of having hurdles along the way to make sure that we are getting the best of the best. And in the process of doing that, the candidates are discovering more and more about our culture. It's a really important part of not just the recruitment process, but the overall culture that the organization is setting for itself. Alongside that, he said 75% of the organization have access to and have taken up mentoring as a possible learning piece. Mentoring comes in many different guises. Sometimes it's done internally. Sometimes it's done through an industry. Sometimes it's done with external providers. Nonetheless, having 75% of the organization taking up the offer suggests he's also building a real learning environment in that organization. And being a place that's renowned for being hard to get into. But once you're in there, there's an ongoing learning support for your career to help you perform at the highest level. That's very attractive for many candidates. It's very attractive if you're someone who wants to build a career. It's very attractive if you want to work in the best organization in that particular sector. So again, looking at recruitment, onboarding, on those kind of areas as part of the culture, as opposed to just a process. It's a really interesting thing from a leadership perspective. The second thing that struck me, and this is, I suspect for most people listening to this podcast, this will have jumped out as being really interesting. And that is the process of getting and receiving feedback at all levels of the organization. This, of course, is a consulting organization where it goes into large organizations and delivers very visible and important leverageable advice and experience. So therefore, the, you know, the consultants at all the various levels of consulting need to be at their best as often as possible. And therefore, the feedback process is one of the largest enablers of that. 
Anybody who receives feedback in an organization knows the importance of it. But what I liked about what Declan shared with us is the nuances. First of all, the frequency of feedback. He said at least once a month, if not every fortnight, in some cases once a week. And that's a phenomenal amount of frequency. And so when you think to his philosophy of we are a high-performing sports team, that makes perfect sense. Most athletes who play in team-type sports typically get a video-based feedback process three or four days after the last game. So it's really timely, it is very frequent, and it's tailored to them. And what Declan and his organization is doing here is something very similar. They are tying feedback on a very high-frequency level, be it weekly, fortnightly, or at least monthly. It's tailored towards them in terms of their performance. So there's lots of different data, including false positives and negatives in the data. It's very robust. It's aimed towards development and learning and performing as opposed to exiting. But also the part that really struck me is the feedback giver gets reviewed each time as well. What that says to me is the notion of quality of feedback is taken to be the most important thing in this process. So the better the quality of feedback, the better the leverage we have for the person to be able to receive, hear, and act upon that feedback. I haven't seen that done to this level of frequency anywhere I've ever worked. And I think it's a really interesting idea. So for a leader who is trying to develop coaching skills, trying to give feedback to their teams, etc., you know, how do you hear from those folks as to the quality of your feedback? As an external provider of executive coaching like myself and, and many listeners to this podcast, we receive that regularly through client feedback, client satisfaction rates. And indeed, in my own case, usually at the end of every second session, I will ask for input to that process. So as a way of receiving that, but I've never seen it done to the level that Declan's talking about. So in your organization, if feedback is considered truly to be a gift, as opposed to just a cliche of feedback as a gift, if it's truly a gift and if it's truly an enabler of heightened performance, then how do you make sure that the quality of feedback matches the desire for the person to get better and therefore receive the feedback? The third thing that I want to talk about here is this notion of his ideas group. Now, what struck me about this is, first of all, is the transparency of information in the organization allows people from different levels of the organization to access data and then come up with potential issues that are in the organization that can be improved, then develop some solutions. Now, in the case that Declan gave us, he talked about where the revenue is spent and some of the benefits for being a member of that organization and how other benefits can be developed or indeed, do they need to be developed? And so therefore, this group has the charge or the mandate to over the next couple of months, canvas the organization and come up with ideas. What really struck me about it is, and I mentioned this in our recording, many organizations use that process, but only as part of a specific program, like a leadership development program. And it's a great process. It allows people to collaborate. It allows for real business solutions to be developed and impacted. And in some cases, issues that the leadership team hasn't quite got to yet, it allows for a wider voice and a wider talent set to address those issues. But most organizations use that once every two, three, maybe four years. In his case, it's, a, it's an ongoing process and is part of the DNA. And what I liked about this is if you are trying to be a high-performing organization, why would you not harness the talent and perspective of as many people as possible in the organization? 
Firstly, it will address issues and maybe even identify issues that the leadership team hasn't quite got to. Second of all, it'll harness energy towards those solutions and help the organization continually improve. And thirdly, which is one of his objectives, it will identify future levels of leadership and allow those people to tackle issues today that they may be guarding and being the custodian of tomorrow in a different role. So I love the idea of an ideas group, pardon the pun. And I'd love to hear from anyone listening to this, if they take the idea of what happens a few months later and what kind of output did you get? Lastly, the idea of integrated sponsorship. I know that many listeners to this podcast will be in a position of authority where they consider and sign off on sponsorship for their organization. And sponsorship is involved in many different ways, not just in marketing. What I love about this process, it's more than just giving money to an organization for brand awareness and brand exposure. This is a true relationship. Players in the Matilda soccer team, football team, the national women's football team in Australia work in the organization and they are developing a career path through seven that will take them beyond their football and athletic careers. As we know from all levels of elite sports, a tiny, tiny minority of players have a coaching career or a media career. Afterwards, most players end up restarting a career in the 30s and then you know going again. What Seven are doing is allowing those folks to have a career path open up to them. And of course, the mindset mentality that athletes bring, of course, can only flourish in an organization that wants to be a high-performing organization. From a consulting service perspective, I'm sure there's a great halo effect by bringing national Matilda players into a client. Of course, there is. That's part of the relationship for being a sponsor, but it's more than that. And the second part that I loved about this is the employees in Seven have a direct say in the sponsorship because the money going into the sponsorship comes out of potential profit share. That is true engagement. Organizations that I've, that I've been involved with, including my own in the past, when we have sponsored particular organizations or not-for-profits and we got involved in the doing of their work, not just involved in handing money over for a brand perspective, the level of engagement and emotional connection was far higher. And I think what Declan is doing here is integrating sponsorship for a good cause, i.e. elevating women football players as high as possible, being connected to a great story, which is women's football all over the world is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing sport all over the world. From an emotional connection to the national story, which the Matildas are one of the top teams in the world, but also the partnership between our brand and future careers. It's a great partnership. It's completely integrated something to learn here. Hope you enjoyed that Reflections. Thank you for listening to the episode and the Reflections of my latest guest. If you want to get resources, go over to leadershipdiet.com. You'll find white papers, articles, and little mini videos of each episode. If you're on YouTube, look up Pod O'Sullivan. You'll find a whole lot of videos from all of our podcasts. And indeed, Facebook, there's a Leadership Diet page on Facebook if you want that. Every week, we are writing an article based on the episode that we've just recorded. Gives you my idea some ideas from the guests and hopefully a few useful resources so you'll find all that there on theleadershipdiet.com and of course the best way you can help this podcast is to leave a review on apple podcasts and share this with your friends